Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome to episode 66 of the Future Belongs to Creators. Today, we're talking about how to become a world-class interviewer. And you are learning from two people who are, in fact, both world-class interviewers. <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. But we are uh, really good at being students, really good at studying, really good at learning all this. So we're going to share what we learned. Uh, but before we do that, Barrett, how are you doing today? Red, yellow, green? I'm yellow. Not like worse than green yellow. More just kind of like, you know, it's Monday. As I just described it to you, Nathan, I feel like I'm, the, I'm on the back car of a roller coaster, just getting pulled along by the work. Um, as everyone hopefully knows by now, we launched ConvertKit Commerce a couple weeks back. You can now sell digital products of any kind, as long as they can be uploaded as a file. Well, honestly, or you could follow up with just an email sequence and you could do a paid email series if you wanted to. Ever since we like geared up for that, I have just been in all, all go mode other than I took a week off and like really unplugged and then came back and it was just like right back to the, to the grindstone, which in a lot of ways feels really good. I just feel like I need to take a breath and kind of plan for where I should be spending my time. So I'm hoping uh, this afternoon, this is like my last call of the day, uh, I'll get some time this afternoon to drill down and think about what comes next. How you doing? I was just thinking that I might, you know, like take all of your time, you know, cause we have this call after this, we'll, we'll get into business Great. stuff. And I was like, you know, I had equal like conflicting thoughts. One was like, kind of, maybe I'll just stay on with Barrett for two hours just so that, but then there was the thought of like, okay, maybe I'll show up with an agenda and be like really on top of things so that you could have your Well, we'll back. see. Uh, <laughs> I actually honestly haven't decided which one to do yet. Um, let's see. I would say I'm green. Um, what is going on? It's I mentioned this on Friday. It's ridiculously hot in Boise, but it's cooling off. So it's good. Um, okay. On the work front, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot is we have problems with onboarding at ConvertKit. Okay. So, so define the problem. How do we know we have a problem or I can define the problem. So we get like 800 to 1,000 signups every day, something like that, 700 to 1,000 signups of free accounts. And we define onboarded as a really, really low bar right now. You either send a broadcast or build a landing page or get a subscriber. So like basically if you do anything, you're onboarded. And that's just so that we can work towards a more uh, nuanced definition. Only about 30% of people do one of those things. And so we've got like hundreds of accounts every day who we have an op we've worked really hard to get them to sign up, but we have an opportunity to get them to be successful. So that's kind of what you mean there. Yeah, exactly. So I've been diving into that. We've known it's a problem um, for about four or five months um, as we've shifted things. We've chipped away at parts of it, but it's it's not that good. And so I've been diving into that lately of writing new emails. Uh, I mapped out everything that's going on, and so that feels good. Working with the team on that. One thought that this came up in coaching, and then we'll dive into our topic, but. Um, as I was diving into this, I was talking with Dan, my reboot coach, tune into episode 30 something. Uh, if you want to catch up with him, he was saying, like I was, I was detailing this problem, how frustrated I was that this far in, we still have this. And he said, okay, how would you feel if you had just discovered this today? And never thought about it. And I was like, well, that's an interesting question. 
I realized, oh, well, I feel like this is quite an opportunity because we just closed out July with our best, not our best month ever, our third best month ever, but like our best month ever without any other billing shenanigans as sometimes happens with like, we had some fraud and spam and some past, you know, like a year or two ago when we set those records. And then we also discovered this thing of like, oh, this part of the product could be that much better and increase, you know, retention and onboarding. And so it's like, oh, there's all this opportunity. And I just like the way that he reframed that because I went from being frustrated that I hadn't solved this issue, that we as a team hadn't solved it to, wow, there's this great opportunity in front of us. Like, I'm kind of excited to tackle it now. And so I like that framing. I like that too, because uh, it focuses more on the future and what you're still in control of. There's a, I, I like, I will never in my life be able to quote Bible verses. And the point is not that it's a Christian belief. It's more that it's generally soothing. There's this Bible verse that says something like, you know, know what you can control and know what you can't. And essentially focus on the things that you can. I'm butchering it. But I remember the first time a mentor shared that with me, I was like, yeah, a lot of anxiety would go away if I would just focus on the things within my control. And this is a reframing around what we can control, which is where we go from here. So I like it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, Barrett, let's, let's dive into the topic. You know, I'm talking about podcast interviews. We're basing this on an article that you wrote, what, a few years ago for Tradecraft? Uh-huh. And that is at convertkit.com slash better-podcast-interviews. But Barrett, why don't you introduce the topic and share some of those thoughts uh, to kick it off? So in some ways, this is just going to be a, a audio version of that um, and a little bit more of a discussion version of that article. Number one, I really, I like we focused on SEO for it. We tried to get it to rank and it hasn't ranked that well. I need to check back in lately, but I really wish that it had. I think the reason is that not that many people search for this. And here's the thing. If you're going to start a podcast, doing an interview show is one of the easiest and most natural ways to start a podcast. I think, I don't know if it is most podcasts are interview shows, but I would bet some money that close to most podcasts are interview shows. And most people suck at interviewing. I mean, that is just the reality. Most people are not very good at interviewing. And I think of it as a skill that very much can be learned, but you have to think of it like a skill. You have to think about interviewing people on a podcast like a skill. And so as we enter into this episode, I want you to think of it like it's a, um, you already have a podcast. It is an interview podcast. So we're not teaching you what kind of podcast to do. We're not teaching you how to get started. We're teaching you how to be a better interviewer once you're already running an interview podcast. So if that's not you, um, listen in for just in case learnings for later. Um, if it is you, then I think this could be really helpful. So um, I think one of the most interesting progressions that maybe a lot of people in our audience can relate to is thinking about Tim Ferriss as an interviewer and his kind of trajectory of how he has changed as an interviewer from the early, early days to now. He will self-admittedly say that he's kind of an awkward interviewer. He can like trip over his words a little bit at times or be too verbose as he's um, diving into a question. But by and large, he has become a much better and more natural interviewer from episode one to whatever number he's on today. And I think most people could follow a similar progression, but like uh, in, in basketball, if you're a coach or if you're a player, people always talk about don't practice for number of shots, practice for number of makes. 
And the reason that is, is that if you just try and hit a number of shots, you don't know if you're getting any better. But if you practice for a number of makes before you quit, then there will be a number of shots you have to take. And your goal is to close that gap over time. And you know how good you're getting. Same kind of thing with an interview show. You could just do the same thing over and over and never get any better at it. Or you could really focus on getting better over time. So what I'm not talking about is I'm not talking about an interview show where you have the same five questions you ask every single person. If that's what you want to do, please now go for it. It can be a formula that works. We all know people who do it. That's fine. I'm talking about an what Barrett means when he says go for it is please don't. <laughs> the internet does not need more of it. Um, instead, bring your originality and creativity to the world. Um, it's just sometimes when Barrett says things, it's hard to fully understand his meaning. So I just thought I'd interpret that for you. This episode might not be for you if you plan to ask the same five questions every every interview. I think the most interesting interviews are those that are catered to the guest that really understand where a guest is coming from and what value they have to add, and then focusing on how you can pull that out of them. So that's what we're going to get into. Uh, Nathan, I'd love to hear if there are any podcasts you listen to that you feel like come from particularly uh, a particularly good place in terms of the quality of the interview. Oh, I okay. dropped that on you. I didn't prepare you for that, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. So uh, we'll see if a specific podcast comes to mind, but the ones that are most interesting to me are the ones where you can tell that the host cares about the topic and the host is, if anyone's run an interview or done an interview show before or anything like that, you have some of these guests where you're like, oh yeah, that'd be good. The listeners will like that person. And then you have other ones where you're like almost a little giddy before you get on. You're like, I can't believe I got this person. I get to ask them all of these questions and the listeners can a hundred percent hear the difference. And, and so that difference between like, oh, what should somebody ask this person? And okay, let's get some intro stuff out of the way because everyone needs to know who this is. And then let me just, you're not like full fanboying over them, but you're like, I, I understand what you're doing, uh, you know, and sharing this backstory and then diving in. So whenever I've been on a guest or been a guest on shows where people do that, I think it makes all of the difference. I've actually been listening to fewer podcasts lately. So none of the interview shows are coming to mind uh, in particular. Um, but that's what I, what, what I would point to is the first thing is that genuine interest. And that's actually step one uh, on your list in the podcast of be endlessly curious, like actually be curious and interested in your guest, which it feels weird that we should have to say that. Uh, but it's like the first and most important step. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been interviewed where someone just clearly hadn't done their homework or they're, they're just interviewing me because of my title or because they want to ask about ConvertKit or whatever. And, um, and like, I'll do those shows, you know, maybe we'll get a few hundred listens. It costs me 30 minutes or an hour of my time, but they're definitely not, I'm not highly engaged when I'm on those kinds of shows and they're not particularly fun, probably for either of us. On the other hand, an interview podcast can be a major income generator for your business. And if you do it well, and you are coming at it from a place of curiosity, it can, you can grow an audience just based on the fact that you are curious enough to ask great questions and expose information to people that they wouldn't have otherwise discovered. And that's one of the first things, like this first point is about being endlessly curious. And the counterpoint I want to make right up front is that very rarely is your guest name going to generate the level of buzz that you think it's going to. Like newsflash, Seth Godin's been on probably hundreds of podcasts at this point. And so 
If you're going for like searchability of his name or something in the podcast store, you might get some listens off of that, but you're probably not even going to get that because he's been on so many shows. And the other thing is he's sure as hell not going to mention the fact that he came on your show to his audience of a million plus people. And so like whatever you think is happening when you get that big name, you're going to have to generate all that interest. And so my first point is not don't invite popular people on. It can be a valuable strategy. My point is more that if you can cultivate a sense of curiosity that aligns with the curiosity of your fans and your audience, that's going to be a more sustainable way to build a dedicated listenership over time than hoping that some gimmick or hack is going to get that listenership for you. I I mentioned in this section, this guy named Jesse Thorne, who He originally had a show that he's been, he started in college, I think called Bullseye, really popular in the early days of podcasting. He did a limited series, a limited series. I love that we can talk about a podcast in terms of a limited series. Um, It was basically like one season. And he, in jest, described it as an interview show, interviewing interviews about the art of interviewing. But it was really, really good. And I would suggest that if you're starting an interview in an interview show, um, I would suggest listening to this called The Turnaround. It was fantastic. And you could just tell, like he had been at this for a really long time, definitely over a decade. I think it might've been closer to 20 plus years, but he wanted to interview the best people he knew at interviewing in the world. So I'm talking like news people, podcasters, whoever. And he just wanted to know what makes them great. Like, how do you do interviewing well? And he's way into his career. So you know he's obsessed with this thing and just his interest in it. I mean, I'm interested in it too. And he was doing it for people like me. His interest in it made it enjoyable, even when I didn't know the person he was interviewing. So anyways, that's the first thing is if you're curious and you're interested, I think that goes way further than having a gimmicky format or or inviting big name people onto the show. One thing with that is like, think about the people as you're going through your life and business where you're like, oh man, if I can only ask this person this question, you know, then it's like, well, they probably wouldn't, wouldn't take the call from you, but maybe they would be a guest on the podcast and you could just ask them that question. And if you find it interesting, then other people would as well. And that's where that line of questioning makes the most sense. And, uh, and you can, you can dive in. So that's the first one of be endlessly curious. The second step is to invite the right guests. And now what are you thinking? What's the, how do you know the right guest versus maybe just that big name, maybe just whoever happened to say yes to the cold email? What's the difference there and what do you mean? So I think the first thing harkens back to the first point, which is, are you interested in them? Like, did you, how did you come across them? And have you read any of their work? Have you listened to their work? Have, whatever medium they work in, have you paid attention long enough to know why you want to enter the, interview them? So that's the first thing is, are you interested? And does it relate to the topic of your show? So um, you think of something like, uh, to go back to the first example, the Tim Ferriss show, like it is eclectic, but he centers it on unpacking the performance of people who are on top of their game, basically. Whatever game they're playing, he wants to unpack how they do it well. So knowing what the central thesis is or the moral of the story is of your show, you want to invite people who are aligned to that. The second thing is you want to invite people who are going to be interesting to the audience for your show. And that means you really have to understand who's the listener, who's the one per like, I always love the question. Who's the one person you're writing the article for, or in this case, making the podcast for, and is that person going to find your interviewee interesting enough to listen to? 
Malcolm Gladwell has this concept of finding people who are not famous, but should be. And I'll add an addendum here to not famous, but should be to the people listening to your podcast. So if you have like environmentalist nerds on uh, who are your listeners, you don't need to get people who are famous to everyone in the world. You just need to get people who are famous to environmentalists. That's all you need. Or like, let's say, you know, I talked about the Wolf book I read recently. Let's say you're making a show for Wolf enthusiasts. There's probably 150 people who are well-known enough to get onto that show. And no one who doesn't like obsessively go to Yellowstone looking for wolves knows who they are. And it doesn't matter because you're just trying to find the people who are interesting to the audience itself. And so that would be the two things. Are you interested and do they align to the interest of your audience? Yeah, that's good. Um, that third one is prepare like a professional. And this is something, so there's obviously podcast interviews that we've done, but we've done a series of like high profile interviews at Craft and Commerce where we, it's kind of that next level. It's, it's usually with our biggest name speaker that we bring in. So examples would be uh, Seth Godin, do, yeah, Casey Neistat um, and Mark Manson and others. So one thing, one, I've always been like, Barrett, this is your job. I'll be, <laughs> I'll watch from the audience. Thanks. Good luck. Um, part of it is like, just to the question that we had on Friday, like leaning into our natural strengths. Part of it is I just know how much work it is. And so watching that, like prepare like a professional. I mean, the first thing that you do is really dive in. Like, for example, I remember, you know, before you're interviewing Mark Manson, you'd read his first book, The Subtle Art, um, but hadn't read his second book. And so that was, you know, the first thing that you did, like a few weeks in advance is sit down and read his book and prepare, like, cause you're not going to sit down and interview someone on stage at an event that people have paid to be for given their time and their money and be like, so uh, Mark, tell me about this book that you wrote, you know, like that's not going to work. And so tell me about your process for preparing and what you bring to the table there. So I want to share a story about, I think I've shared about the fact that I studied abroad at Oxford in college. It was, it should have been my last semester of college, but I ended up just sticking around an extra semester so that I could go have this experience uh, with my wife. Actually, now we went together, we were just dating at the time. That was really where I learned to write, but it was also where I learned to prepare. And so the process just really quick to go through it. You'd go to class once a week, maybe twice a week. I think it was once a week, you'd go to class two hours of conversation. At the end of class, the teacher would hand you a bibliography. Here's a hundred books and a question. What was the root of the conflict between Palestine and Israel uh, in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict? It's like, oh God, I don't know. And so, and that's all it was. One question, a hundred books. So you go to the library, you look up a bunch of them, you see like what the sources are and what, what you might gain from each of them. And then you basically just choose. And you have seven days to write a 10 page paper. I don't know how many words that equates to 3000, maybe 2,500, 3000, something like that. And 24 hours before class, you got to turn it in. You go to class, you defend it. Well, what I learned was that the writing doesn't take that long. It's the having something to say that takes the, the longest. And it is the same exact thing that is true for an interview, a great interview, in my opinion. I want to take as long as I possibly can to prepare because I know if I take as long as I can to prepare with just enough time to write the thing or do the interview, I'm going to have all of this natural material and curiosity built up from doing the preparation. And so with podcast prep, I'm looking at how much time do I have? 
uh, or with interview prep. With craft and commerce, where I'm only doing maybe one or two interviews on stage, I can have a really long lead up time. So I can go quite in depth. With a weekly podcast, you might not have that long. And so you might be wanting to build a backlog of reading you're doing on potential future guests for a long time in advance, where maybe you read someone's first book today and you're going to have them on way later, but you've got your notes and everything. So I'm going to go through and I'm going to say maybe up to like 48 hours before the interview, I'm going to prep. And I want to know what are the books they've written? What's the blog posts they've written? What podcast interviews have they done? I guess it depends on who you're interviewing. You know, if you were interviewing like athletes, for example, like what have been their greatest games and can you watch the game tape from that? Or uh, a musician, what are their best albums or their best songs? Or what are the songs that they love that flopped in the public sphere? Uh, and then the other thing is I want to listen to other interviews they've done. So I'm going to go listen to, or listen, read, watch their work first, and I'm going to form my opinion on it. I'm going to make my notes and ask myself, what am I curious about? What do I want to know about their process or about the life experience that went into it or whatever? And then I'm going to go listen to all the other people who have interviewed them. And typically a person, if they're not like a Seth Godin or a Gretchen Rubin or a Brene Brown, that kind of person, they probably haven't been interviewed hundreds and hundreds of times. It's probably like 10, maybe 20 for a really popular person. And typically because of the downtime I have, that's not like at the computer work, I can listen to almost every interview they've ever done. And here's what's fascinating about that. When you listen to five or 10 interviews with someone, you can hear the equivalent of their media training. You know what stories they wanna tell, you know how they wanna answer questions. And here's the trick, if you don't ask them the same questions, they're not gonna feed you the same lines. And so what I'm looking for is, just like if I were trying to rank an article in search and I read the top 10 and find the gaps, I'm looking for the gaps in the interviews. Where did someone miss an opportunity to dive in on a personal story or a past experience or the human side of what that person has done or accomplished. And those are the questions I want to ask. Like, yeah, I'm going to give the intro about them. And I want to capture like the popular thing, maybe a little bit, but in between, I want to get all the parts that no one knows because that what, that's what makes the interview worth, worth listening to. I don't want a repeat of what I've heard Casey Neistat talk about a hundred times. I want the, the juice in between. So with Casey, a great example is I knew we needed to touch on his Nike ad. Like his Nike ad is famous, it's what everyone, it's kind of what blew him up a little bit beyond just YouTube. But I didn't, like everyone knows about the Nike ad, so I don't wanna spend a bunch of time there. That's more context setting for all the people who don't know who he is in the audience. Which by the way, surprisingly, a lot of people did not know who Mark or Casey were in our audience at Craft & Commerce, even though we thought they were famous. And they are for you know a million people, but that means there's billions who don't know about you yet. So I ask about maybe that thing quickly. Well, we'll get into the questions, but that's my prep process. Read as much as I can, listen, watch as much as I can of original stuff, like the first source material and form my own opinion and questions there and then get into listening to them be interviewed by other people. You know, as you get into that, you know, second or maybe third interview that you're listening to of someone you're going to have on, that's where you're like out on a run doing yard work, something like that, you know, and you're stopping, you're like, oh, that was good. That made me want to ask this other thing. The other thing is, as you listen to these interviews, think of what your next question is, right? You're going to know something. And so our next point is ask interesting questions. So let's just roll right into that. As you're listening to the interview, think about, okay, yep, I'm tracking. I'm truly listening. And I'm like, okay, and then I would ask this question. And if you start doing that, the number of times that you think, oh, this is good. 
They just said something really good. And now I'd follow up with this. And the interviewer goes, okay. And uh, next question is, and you're like, what? Like the next question was logical. Like, were you not even listening? And so, you know, as you do that, you'll start to, you actually get to practice interviewing effectively because what you're doing is you're listening in and saying, oh, okay, that was good. You know, Terry Gross, that was a great question. And then afterwards you're like, this is what I would ask, you know, and then sometimes you can try it on and be like, oh, that is what she asked. Yes, I got the test question right. You know, basically where you listen to a fantastic interviewer. Um, and so that's a, like the first thing is you get to um, track with that. But I think what you're optimizing for, I like to imagine this tweet that, that happens. So let's say I run an interview show and Barrett, you come on as a guest. And afterwards, I'm, I'm trying to craft the interview in such a way that you post a specific tweet afterwards. And that is something along the lines of great interview. I shared stories that I'd never shared before, you know, and I've seen plenty of um, podcast guests share something like that because they're, they're like taken aback. They're doing exactly that of like, I didn't get asked the same questions that I always got asked. And so they're more likely to share it with their audience and have a genuinely good experience when they have, you know, when they're off script, when they're telling stories that they never got to. And so the genuine curiosity plays into that really, really listening to what, you know, their answers are and asking a good follow-up that makes a big difference. And then knowing, you know, what all their talking points are and sure, let them get in some talking points if that's what they want to do. But then the other thing that I think really works is with that research, when you say something like, okay, on this interview, you said this, which made me wonder this other thing. Always, whenever someone has done that to me, I like, if I wasn't, or wasn't that engaged in the interview, like that makes me like lean mm -hmm. in a little bit of like, oh, you did your mm -hmm. research. I like it. Yeah, without a doubt. The number one mistake people make is they write down all their questions and they run through the questions. And I think about this just like preparing for uh, public speaking. When I know I'm gonna give a dynamite talk is when I've practiced, 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 I can do it almost by memory. It's almost like I can recite it. And then I do the one more beyond that where I start to improvise a little bit. And I add an embellishment here or a joke there. And it's not as scripted, it's now natural. Like I know the flow of the material well enough and how much time I have that I can be within the, or like go back and forth between the lines a little bit with how the delivery ends up. And that gives me space to respond to the audience or to engage the audience a little differently than if I'm just trying to hammer it through the material. The same thing goes for a podcast where if you've prepped properly, usually you will be comfortable enough. Like, yes, make your list of questions. Sure. But usually if you've prepped right, the list of questions is just like your own thing. And it's to make you comfortable going in that you're not going to run into dead space. But if you just listen, if you have the first two or three to like get them opening up a little bit, you know, who are you? What do you do? Like I introed you already. And then you get into the first one or two. Now you're into a flow where you can just follow up. And like, look, you might hit a dead spot where you reach the natural end of a path you've taken someone down based on the questioning. Great. Say, okay, let me look at my list of questions again. Everyone fucking knows you have a list of questions sitting there. Like just say, okay, let's pause for a second for station identification. Let me find the next question. It's fine. You're in an interview. No one's going to be mad at you for it. And if you edit, you can always edit that out later. But the best interviewers follow lines of questioning to their natural conclusion. 
the artificial, you, you said this earlier, but I just want to reemphasize it. The artificial ending of a story or a rich point of information is so frustrating as a listener. It's like, he just gave me the most shallow version of that. And you had every opportunity. They left a hook, grab the hook and run with it. That's your job really is to find the little hooks. People are, are like, as an interviewee, a person being interviewed, Every time I know they don't really want to dive in. They just want the information. They want to, they want to publish another episode. But to your point, when they really like, I'll leave little hooks here, this thing, this thing, this thing. And there's three different places that they could jump off of. Like, let's say I'm being interviewed about how we run ConvertKit. And I'll mention like maybe how we do comp and benefits. Well, we have profit sharing. We have a standardized salary system and we have this other thing. And they could easily move on from there. But a great interviewer will say, huh, standardized salary system, that doesn't sound very normal for a startup of your age or something like that, or profit sharing. Does anyone actually do that? Tell me more. And now we're in a conversation instead of him just, or her just jumping to the next question. So anyways, I rambled a little bit there, but it really <laughs> bothers me when people just relate to the, the list as opposed to going with the conversation. Yeah, for sure. And along those lines, I think it really matters how you start the question the questioning, the conversations. And so you can set the tone for the entire interview from that beginning. So here's what you should not do. Don't come in and be like, so Barrett, tell me how you got started, right? That is a terrible question. And it shows that I did no research and that I'm going to ask you a series of canned questions and I'm not going to listen to your answer because I'm gonna be reading the next canned question I'm about to ask you. If instead I've listened to you on a bunch of podcast interviews, you know, all these other things. And I want to do, maybe my podcast is all about mastery, right? Then I'm going to say, you know, this isn't even that great, great of a question, but I'm going to say something like, you know, Barrett, I was listening to you on, the, on this interview and you talked about when you studied at Oxford and that shaped your process for learning and, and research, you know, can you tell the listeners about that? Or something where I'm saying, I'm not going, Barrett, what's your process for mastery? What's your process for learning? I'm like giving you that hook and giving you the ability to tell a story that I know maybe you haven't told very much before, or that I know you're going to lean into and be like, oh yeah, this is good and let, and let you really keep going. That's exactly it. Alex Bloomberg, the founder of Gimlet Media. So they made the, the podcast startup, Reply All, like a bunch of these shows that have, have come out and they were since uh, purchased. He has a great course on Creative Live maybe about doing good interviews. It's a little long because it's got the Q&A built in as opposed to just being the material. But one of the things he talks about there is the fact that your job as the interviewer is to capture the emotion because that's what audio is magic for, right? It's like, it's magic for storytelling and emotion. And so two great ways to get at interesting answers are tell me the story about when, and so that's your point that you're making right now. Like, so, you know, you studied abroad at Oxford, like tell me the story about how that influenced your process for writing and research and learning. Um, and so now I can go back and I can tell you all about this journey in this magical Oxford universe where I only had three months to figure it all out. And then the follow-up being, and how did you feel when? And so now I can say, well, what it felt like to be there was like, I was super stressed out and I knew I sucked at writing. And like, it honestly was embarrassing at first, but by the end, and so then that's the other pieces, but at the end, how had you changed? And so what you're getting is you're getting story. How did you feel during the story and how did it change you? And it's basically the hero's journey. 
that's all you're creating these little loops of how have you transformed throughout your life? That's really what you're trying to capture. So, um, I found those to be really powerful, just like hooks that you can go back to over and over again with almost any topic with someone that you're interviewing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So my last one, I think my last one for now anyways, is on introducing someone well. Oh yeah. What most people do, whether you're introducing a speaker at a conference or um, introducing a podcast guest is they ask for a bio from the person they read the bio. Actually, that's that, Ooh, that's no, even no. the best scenario, or like the 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 best better than scenario. bad. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, bad is just like they they I don't know grab a headline off your website and read that or something. They clearly have no context. Or they say, uh, "Please welcome to the stage, Barrett Brooks," and he'll tell right. you what uh, yes. he does and why he's here. <laughs> and the thing is, like, if you've prepared properly, you know what's interesting about them to you. You know why your audience is going to like them. Sure, read their bio and all of that, but write your own introduction. This is actually magic in almost any situation in which you do it. If you're at a dinner party or you're with a group of friends giving a flattering but true introduction of someone that brags about them in a way that would be a little odd for them to do for themselves is delightful. It makes people feel incredible and it opens up this, yeah, well, it creates openness basically between you from the outset. And so if you can say, Nathan Berry is my guest today. Here's two or three things that he's accomplished that give like social proof for why you should care. But here's why I'm really interested in him personally. Da, 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 da. So Nathan, I want to start with exactly that thing that I just said I'm interested in. Tell me about whatever. Tell me that story about the time when. And now we're off to the races. Tell me the story about how you started ConvertKit as with the goal of earning just $5,000 a month, especially now that you're earning $2 million a month. What's that feel like or whatever? Doing that makes it so much more personal. It gives them a jumping off point. It shows them immediately that you've done your research and it puts no burden on them to like go through their life story right up front because you've already done all the work and you can get right into the interesting bits. Yeah, and I think that's something else that I would add is that great stories don't have to start at the beginning. Yep. Right, and so you can start here and then you can say, ah, that touched on this thing. And so now let's go back like that touched on this this drive or this uh, dedication to achieve this outcome. Where did that come from? And chances are that came from a decade or three decades earlier. Um, so it's good. Then I, the last thing that I would add there is uh, when in doubt, ask short questions. We've all listened to the interviewers who like, ask the I'll question. Just stop there, stop. And, and then the second question, or this, and then the third part of the same question. And you're like, and you can... Even though they've they're muted, you know, or whatever, you can practically hear the other person be like, "Okay, you're still going." Okay, yeah. Okay, now I can answer it, <laughs> and you're like, "Just go for the short version of it." And if they need to ask, you know, a a good person being interviewed will feel totally fine asking you to clarify the question or follow up with more detail uh, if you need to. So just default. Yeah, short. short and one question at a time. Um, Oh, like yes. don't ask. That's actually hard. It to is do. hard to do. I tend to. And one of the things that people run into is they'll ask a yes or no question followed by another question because a yes or no isn't going to give you anything, right? And so, really, this is, gets into a little bit of the nuance that you'll grow in over time. But number one is don't ask yes or no questions in an interview because then you end up with these awkward exchanges where you say, so, um, like, do you believe in uh, uh, equitable pay for everyone? It's like, yes. Oh, okay, great. So um, what I meant to ask was, so ask the actual question, 
Because the thing is, when you ask a yes or no in a follow-on, the interviewee can forget the second one that's the actual question. So keep it short and ask one. Like if I had one piece of feedback for Tim Ferriss, that would be it. He he can sometimes like ask a question and then a question and then a question. And he's like, so I guess what I'm asking is, and I know he's trying to arrive at the actual thing, but if he could tighten that up, I think it would make everyone stay more engaged more often. And that's true for most interviewers as you continue to grow is you've got to find the core thing you're trying to ask. Yep. Do, 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 creator of the day. <laughs> I'm like waiting for you. One of these days, I need to replace Barrett with the soundboard. Um, and then I can just trigger it on my own. That was um, the weakest, weakest, weakest transition to creator of the day. But we're just going to roll with it for today. Oh, man. Uh, my creator of the day is Jerry Colonna. Uh, he founded the organization Reboot, which everyone knows we're big fans of. Uh, he wrote a book called Reboot. Um, which is his life story, all of that. If I was going to interview him, that's the book that I would have read first. You know, um, it's a great book. It's really impactful. One thing that was helpful as I dove into all of this is I was able to give that book to Hillary and she read it and got to start to get a feel for, oh, that's where these weird people are coming from. And she understood more of the backstory. Um, but my favorite thing about uh, Jerry is he is a venture capitalist, like he invested in GeoCities back in 1999 or 2000, you know, so he's been around the web for a long time, investing in a lot of great companies. And now he's like, he would get mad at me for saying this. He wouldn't actually, but like it turned like venture capitalist turned Buddhist monk, you know, or something like he's, he's just such a remarkable human and he's got all this business experience. And then he just cares about like helping you realize your full potential. So it's obviously incredible to spend time with him in person, but if you can't do that, then his book is incredible and uh, everything he shares online is great as well. So Jerry Clone is my creator of the day. Love it. My creator of the day is Logic. I can't find his actual website. Anyways, Logic is a hip hop artist. One of my favorites. He is half white and half black. And throughout his career, because of that, he, he can look white. A lot of times people will perceive him as white, but he grew up very much a part of black culture and like feeling black because he is, he is half black. And he has gotten so much shit over his career for who he is, like his identity, his ability to be a hip hop artist. He just released his last album. We'll see how it goes over the next decade, but he announced that he's retiring from hip hop to focus on being a dad. He just released his last album called No Pressure. It's definitely not family friendly. So this is not like go listen to Logic with your kids. But if you like hip hop or sometimes you enjoy hip hop, um, I found Logic to be an artist who has really interesting lyrics and really great beats. And I want to start. I want to start highlighting more uh, musical artists here as well as our creators of the day. So, anyways, if you like hip hop, Logic is awesome, um, and he's retiring because of that like hate that he gets for who he is. And I just find that very inspiring that he kept creating even though he got so much vitriol in return because he knew he had a group of fans that just love what he uh, love what he does and love what he puts out. Love it. My resource of the day is um, I'm going to do two. Jesse Thorne's The Turnaround. If you are running an interview show, go listen to that interview series he did. It's very good. And then Alex Bloomberg's course on Creative Live, I can't remember what he called it, um, but it's something like how to, how to do great interviews. Those are both worthwhile and they are well worth the investment of time and money to just up your game as an interviewer. Love it. All right, my resource of the day is one that you all might laugh at me 
because I did not know this, but Sean McCabe told me this this weekend and I was like, wait, this is possible. And so I'm just going to show you. And uh, if you all already know how to do this, that's okay. So when I write tweet threads, I copy and paste them in. I did not know that if I write my thread here, then I click this plus icon, then I add more. So I had no idea of that. So here's what you can do. And actually I see so many people writing tweet threads where they write it and post bit by bit and you'll see the start of one and you realize, well, this doesn't make sense on its own. And then the next tweet shows up and you're like, oh, this is like one being written in real time. But you can do super cool things like this. Like here's a Twitter thread that I just put together on uh, the fourplex that I bought and remodeled into an Airbnb. You can like just keep going and write tweet after tweet with all the details and work in everything. And then when I get all the way down to the bottom, I can hit tweet all and that will just go ahead and publish and post all of those. And hopefully that will be helpful in writing these Twitter threads, which get great engagement. And then, you know, it can be a great way to grow your email list. Love it. Thought of the day is a podcast or interview podcast can still be really powerful way to grow your audience and your business. It's not the easiest way by any means to grow an audience, but if you are really great at it and you're dedicated to it for a long period of time, it can become a really powerful asset. And despite the fact that there are so many shows out there already, there's always room for someone to come in with a new perspective, serving a new audience uh, from a different point of view. And so uh, I'd encourage you to try it out if you never have before. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. Yeah.